Good morning and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church. Whether you're joining us online or whether you're joining us live in person at the church, we are so thankful you have decided to join with us as we spend the next 40 or so minutes together. My name is Chris Corbin and I have had the privilege of serving as the pastor here at the church. I want to begin this morning by saying thank you. Thank you for your continued and your faithful support. Everything that we do is because of your generosity. Your generosity as it's been demonstrated through your giving, through your time, and through your prayers. Your support is making a difference. Starting next week, we're going to be diving into a four-part series entitled An Invitation to Life in the Kingdom. It's going to be led by our staff from the district office, and so I want to invite you to lean in and to learn and be encouraged and challenged as we hear from our district leadership team. My hope for you this morning is that you would meet with God in some way, that God would speak to you through the worship songs, through prayer, our kids' moment, the sermon, or even as you reflect on the questions at the end of the service. I truly believe that God wants to reveal himself to us, that he wants to speak to us and guide us, and that he has called those of us who love him to tell others about him. God has uniquely gifted and prepared each one of us to share his good news with those who are around us, whether it's our families, our friends, our neighbors, or even our co-workers. So let's invite God to be present with us this morning, and that we would encounter, have an encounter with the life-changing person of Jesus. Let's pray. So Father, we come to you this morning and we lift you up. And God, I am so thankful that we are able to gather, both in person at the church and through the online platforms, that no matter where we find ourselves, that we can connect with you. And so we invite you, God, to come and to speak to us this morning, that you would lead and guide us as we gather together, as we worship you, as we hear from your word, as we put our faith and our trust in you. We invite you to come. We lift you up, Jesus, and pray all of this in your name. Amen. I want to welcome you back this morning as we conclude our series on the broken road. For the past few weeks, we've been exploring what it looks like to journey with Jesus in the broken areas of our lives. We've explored the topics of grieving and repentance reconciliation and forgiving others, I've shared with you that I am convinced that as we journey deeper with Jesus into these areas, we will find wholeness and freedom, that our faith will be expanded and will grow deeper and wider, and that we will experience the fullness of life that Jesus promised. This morning I want to share with you Another aspect to the whole process of journeying with the, the broken road of Jesus, which is in fact that we share this journey with others. As followers of Jesus, as those who have been reconciled to God, we are called to a ministry of reconciliation. We have been blessed so that we can bless others with the same promises and the same life that God has given to us. We are blessed 
so that we can pass on this message of forgiveness and reconciliation that we ourselves have received. But journeying the broken road with others is more than just telling someone about the good news of Jesus. It's actually about joining them on their journey. It's about welcoming people where they are at and walking with them as they encounter Jesus in their brokenness, as they encounter Jesus in fresh, new, deeper ways. Just the other night, I actually woke up thinking about a Bible story. It was actually as though I was dreaming about it. Now, I want to be clear, as a pastor, I spend a lot of time reading the Bible. I spend a lot of time thinking about the Bible. But I don't often dream about stories from the Bible. So I wondered if God might be speaking through that story. And as I was reading it, I really felt as though it was applicable to our message this morning. It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian, and it's found in Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, he said, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me, of my being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the waters, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, there are a few things that we know about Philip. The first thing is is that we know that he was one of Jesus' disciples. He had been one of the twelve that Jesus had spent significant significant amounts of time investing into. He taught him all about the kingdom of God. We also know that Philip had first-hand experience of life as one who walked with Jesus. Philip would have been one of the twelve that Jesus sent out to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to proclaim the coming kingdom. He would have been among the believers in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon them in power. So needless to say, he is a someone who had truly experienced life with Jesus. The Ethiopian official, on the other hand, we don't know a lot about him. We know that he is the official in charge of the treasury of the Queen of Ethiopia, 
And so we can assume that he must have had at least a good reputation or stature to be trusted with this kind of position. We also know that he is at least familiar with the God of Israel. He has heard about him. And we are told that he was just in Jerusalem to worship. And he was even reading a copy of the book of Isaiah. And so for the the Ethiopian, there was at least a bare minimum of familiarity and curiosity about the things of God. And what it means to worship and to follow him. And so, as I was reflecting on this story about Philip and the Ethiopian official, it, at least for me, illustrated that part of the journeying of this broken road is that it's a journey that is meant to be shared with others. We are meant to walk with others as we journey the broken road. And as, and as we come across others on the broken road, we are called to meet people where they are at. And so, what does it really look like to to share the journey of the broken road with others? Well, I want to highlight just a few of the things that I think are important. The first one is this, is that the broken road really is all about coming alongside those who are also on the journey. First off, if you are journeying on the broken road, if you are journeying with Jesus, don't do it alone. I encourage you to find safe people who will journey with you. Find people that will encourage you and support you and and help you to press on and to persevere. But I also want to say, don't just stick with those people who are at the same place as you. I encourage you to find someone who is further down the journey that can walk with you. Find someone who has walked where you are walking currently and can help lead you and guide you. This morning, though, I really want to focus more on the invitation that we have to walk alongside others on their journey. You see, there's actually a pattern that I have found throughout the Bible on how we can journey with others on the broken road. If we reflect back on Philip's story, this is what I see. First and foremost, Philip was open to the leading and the guiding of God. We too have to be open to God's leading. Next, we see that Philip is coming alongside the Ethiopian. He found somebody somebody else who was on this journey. He found somebody who was spiritually curious, or who was already exploring what it meant to worship God. Next, we see that he inquired about what the man was reading. He actually wanted to know what was relevant to this man. He didn't come with a prepared message. He met the man where he was at, with the questions that the man had. I think oftentimes we come with a a message to preach at people. And the invitation is that we want to be more like guides, walking alongside where people are at. Next, we see that Philip explained the passage. And as he was explaining the passage, he told the man the good news about Jesus. Philip shared with the Ethiopian the very things that he himself had experienced firsthand. The next thing we see is that Philip baptized him. And what he really did was that he led the Ethiopian to a deeper level of commitment and experience with God. I see a similar pattern in these instructions that Jesus gave the disciples when he gave them the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus said to them, therefore go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Did you hear it? Did you hear the similarities in Jesus' instructions? He starts out by saying, therefore go, which we properly translate as in your going. As you are going about your life, in your daily interactions, in everything you do, wherever you are, in your home, at work, at the grocery store, everywhere you go. Next he says, make disciples, which means come alongside of people, walk with them. Scripture tells us to mourn with those who mourn, to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's about walking with them. It's about doing life with them. Then he also says, teach them. Explain things to them. Share with them what you have learned and what you have experienced firsthand. And then he says, baptize them. Once again, that's leading them to a deeper level of commitment and experience with God. What's also amazing is that this is not new. If we actually look back at the instructions that God gave his people in the Old Testament, you're going to find a similar pattern. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read this. God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I love what we're being told there. Once again, it's in your going. In everything you do, whether it's in your sitting, in your walking, everywhere. Come alongside your, t- your children and teach them, explain to them the things that you have learned, the things that you have been taught. And so this is the pattern. It's about coming alongside of people as they are journeying, as we are journeying. The next thing that I want to highlight for you is this. We can only journey with people as deep and as far as we ourselves have personally gone or experienced with Jesus. This is really important. You can only go as far or as deep as you've been. And this is significant for two reasons. The first reason is that I'm convinced that if we don't take time to journey the broken road ourselves, we can't possibly walk with anyone to a deeper level of faith with God. Think about it. If we have never taken the time to truly grieve ourselves, how can we possibly sit with someone else in their grief? Or if we've never taken the time to allow God to bring healing and wholeness to our brokenness, to bring healing to our wounds, how are we able to introduce others to a God who heals? Or if we've never forgiven someone else, if we've never learned how to let go of the bitterness and resentment that we have, How can we expect someone to believe us when we say that they have to do these same things in their lives? It's not only that, but people are always watching. Our friends are watching. Our neighbors are watching. 
Our families are watching. Our kids are watching. They are watching what we do just as much as what we say. And so the question is, do our words match our actions and our experiences? I have been challenged recently by these words. Knowing Jesus intellectually is nowhere close to the same as knowing Jesus intimately. Settling for information about Jesus without knowing him personally produces an impotent life and a powerless church. The second reason that it is important that we understand that we can only lead others as far as we have gone, or that we can only journey with them as far as we have journeyed, is that the work of Jesus in your life is actually the most influential part of your witness. When you can show someone just how much Jesus has actually made a real and tangible difference in your life, it gives them something to be curious about. For the longest time, the church has relied on this message. We are all sinners. But Jesus loves you and died for you so that you can be forgiven. So repent and give your life to Jesus. And praise God, that is the truth. And those truths need to be shared. Unfortunately, what I think most of us have experienced is that the majority of the world really isn't as convicted of their sin in their lives as those of us who already know God, who already understand that we have been forgiven and that Jesus died for us. People are, however, open to spiritual conversations. They are, generally speaking, open to hearing about why Jesus has made such a genuinely different, a genuine difference in your life, how he has changed you. And so the work of Jesus in your life really is the most influential part of your spiritual conversations. It's the place that you have actually experienced the work of God, where he is at work in your life and not just some theory that you hope is true. You see, if we've only ever known facts about Jesus or a system of rules and regulations, we really don't have much to offer to others. And so this is really why it doesn't matter how far you've come in your journey or how far you still have to go. Because wherever you find yourself, if you are on the journey with Jesus, you have an ability to invite somebody to experience the same truths and the same life-changing Jesus that you have experienced. We really can only lead to the extent, we can only journey to the extent that we have experienced and encountered God. But one of the greatest things about all of this, about the journey with Jesus, is that we are trusting in an almighty God. And because of that, there is always more for us to experience. No matter how much healing, no matter how much loss you've grieved or how God has brought healing and wholeness to your life, there is always more. And so there's always a place to invite someone to journey with you or to journey with them. And then finally, the world is waiting for us to join with them on the journey and to walk with them as they discover how Jesus can radically change their lives. Paul tells us in Romans 10, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Recently, I heard a, uh, a story by, about J. Hudson Taylor, a British missionary to China, and he was speaking about his experience as a young, naive missionary. And he was talking about the privilege he had of introducing a Mr. Knee to the gospel. He was explaining how Mr. Knee became a valuable part of his ministry. And one day they were talking together and Mr. Knee asked Taylor, he said, how long have you had the glad tidings of the gospel in England? Well, Taylor goes on to admit that he felt ashamed to tell Mr. Knee that it had actually been several hundred years. In astonishment, Mr. Knee responded to Taylor. He said, what? Several hundreds of years? Is it possible that you have known about Jesus so long and only now come to tell us? He continues, he says, My father sought the truth for more than 20 years and died without finding it. Oh, why did you not come sooner? I hope you're as challenged by those words as I am. Oh, why did you not come sooner? Because there are people all around you that are in need of someone who has experienced the deeply transformative life of Jesus Christ, to come and to share the good news with them, to journey with them, so that they too might experience the fullness of new life in Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to take some time to consider, is there anyone in your life that you can walk alongside as they journey the broken road towards Jesus. I want to close with the words of David that are found in Psalm 145. He writes this, he says, Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your works, your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. There are amazing things that God is at work doing, and it's an, our, it's an invitation for us to be able to share what God has done in our lives with those who are around us to journey with them as they experience the fullness and the greatness of who God is and how he brings fullness of life to their lives. Would you join with me in prayer? So Father God, we come to you and I'm thankful that we have an opportunity to experience fullness of life in you. That we are reconciled, that we are forgiven, that you bring wholeness and healing to our lives. And as you are bringing wholeness and healing to our lives, you invite us to share those things with others, to share the wonderful ways that you have worked in our lives with those around us, with our friends, with our neighbors, our family. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to see the works that you have done in our lives and to be bold to walk alongside those who desperately need to know you to not just share a, a, an empty track or an empty word with them, but to journey with them, to walk with them as they encounter you and the fullness of life you have promised. 
And God, our hope is that through all of this, that you would be honored and glorified. And so I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.